Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Robert Kelly, and today on Record All Monsters, Godzilla vs. Gigan. Just play the hits, please. We'll have to change the computer program. Change plan number three to number six, right? We're safe enough. No human being can understand that. The monsters on Monster Island can understand it. The fallout from Godzilla vs. Hedorah was... there. Depending on who you ask, Tomoyuki Tanaka either hated it, or thought it was fine and hated its low box office attendance. In special effects director Teruyushi Nakano's telling of events, Tanaka was so upset he fired Yoshimitsu Bano, that film's director, on the spot, shouting, You've ruined Godzilla! and telling him that he'd never work at Toho again. None of that happened, according to Bono. And since he continued to work at Toho as a writer, I think his story holds a little more weight. Either way, Bono was out as the new hope of the Godzilla series. Tanaka, in noticing Godzilla vs. Hedorah's low attendance at the Summer Champion Festival in 1971, noticed that the reissues of Invasion of Astro Monster and Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, at the Spring and Winter Festivals, did extremely well, bringing in more than twice Hedorah's attendance each. Tanaka, ever the visionary, noticed the common denominator was Godzilla's most popular foe, King Ghidorah, last seen being curb-stomped by ten other kaiju in 1968's Destroy All Monsters, which had taken place in the impossibly far-off year of 1999. 
So he decided to have his two favorite screenwriters for the series each pitch a return for the Golden Terror from Outer Space. We know a little bit about Shinichi Sekizawa, whose script entitled The Return of Ghidorah, One Out, with some changes to the monster cast, so let's take a look at Tanaka's other writer, who I personally like to call his left hand, Takashi Kimura. If Sekizawa was a dog, bright, playful, and full of optimism, Kimura, born Kaoru Mabuchi, was a cat, secretive, cynical, and brilliant. His credits as writer or co-writer in our little world of gods and monsters include Rodan, the Mysterians, the H-Man, the Human Vapor, Gorath, Matango, Frankenstein Conquers the World, War of the Gargantuas, King Kong Escapes, Destroy All Monsters, and a co-writer on the previous Godzilla movie. That list includes some of the best and bleakest in kaiju movies. And you can see his more contemplative streak compared to Sekizawa's more exuberant approach. Sekizawa wrote Mothra. Kimura wrote Matango. That should tell you everything if you've seen both of those movies. Tanaka also sought proven talent for the director's chair, turning to Jun Fukuda to help helm the next picture since Ishiro Honda had retired. The score would be made up of recycled Akira Ifukube cues from the Toho Library in order to save money, with the only original music for the film being the Godzilla March, or Ganbare Bokura no Godira, which is a real banger, as the kids say. Do the kids still say that? This film was meant to be a return to the mid-60s glory days of Toho science fiction films, much like Space Amoeba, but budget concerns kept scaling things back. Three villainous monsters became two, four heroic monsters became two, and most stingingly of all, roughly seven minutes of the film's runtime, all of the effect shots, were stock footage from previous Toho sci-fi epics. With the belt tightened to its very last notch, effects director Teruyoshi Nakano was understandably upset. He said of the use of stock footage, It hurt me when I had to reuse those scenes. But there was no other way. We did not have the time or the money to film new scenes. Two notable displays of the budget constraints include material visibly falling off the Godzilla suit during fight sequences, and King Ghidorah's strange immobility while in flight. It took 24 wires to operate the suit, and the effects department did not have the manpower to work him at full capacity. All the cost-cutting paid off, though. Godzilla vs. Gigan put more than double the butts and seats that Godzilla vs. Hedorah or Godzilla's Revenge had. Before we move on to our next segment, we should really stop and appreciate Haruo Nakajima, who makes his twelfth and final appearance as Godzilla in this film. He had first portrayed the character in 1954, at just 25 years old. Eighteen years later, the 43-year-old stuntman hung up his rubber monster suit and moseyed off into the sunset. As he said in an interview in 2008 with August Ragone and Brett Homernick, It was the last movie, but I did about 28 kaiju movies in total. 
and I made ten Ultra Series episodes. It was my best career. Completing the last movie, I felt I had done what I wanted to do. So I have no regrets. Nakajima passed away in 2017, leaving behind a legacy no one can compete with. Having played both Godzilla and King Kong, the two most iconic monsters of all time, as well as helping to invent a new acting style and genre of science fiction. His work is monumental, and the closing theme from his song says it best. どこでも平和のためだ広い世界を駆け巡り目指すは悪い怪獣だでっかい体に可愛い目玉It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Robert Kelly. Welcome back to Record All Monsters. We're here with good friends of the show. Uh, first of all, wife and producer Courtney. Hey. And uh, we have uh, John Margheim. Hello. Who you may, if you have our Patreon, know from I Never Twins the Single Peak. That's me. And his two previous appearances on this show. Mm-hmm. And... Austin Douglas what? Ford. How's it going? Who has also been on this show, and I never twins the single peak. Austin, do you still use the forebear handle? I do not. I've moved over to just using my name, Austin Ford, or Austin Ford Games is now my okay. like Twitter handle. Because I was trying to remember how to spell it, and yeah. I couldn't find it. That's the, that's that's why the we reason. It. That's the reason <laughs> it went away. So good, good. I might edit that out. <laughs> but no, I I'm, think it's. I think it's, it's good. good. Leave it in. Leave it in. Yeah. All right. So we just watched Godzilla versus Gigan. 
And uh, this is one I grew up with and have seen approximately 100 times. Um, and so we have two perspectives I wanted to get with our two special guests here. John, you also kind of grew up with this movie. Mm-hmm. And Austin has only seen the monster, Japanese monster movies I've shown him. Yeah, I think that's mostly true. So, John, can I get your general take first? <laughs> yeah, so, um, Gigan, I, I cannot remember where I saw Gigan first, if it was this movie um, or the other Gigan movie. Um, in my childhood because they sold Godzilla VHSs at the dollar store. And so that's picked that up like Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, like all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, part of the reason that Robert has told me that I'm on this episode is because the, his Gigant figurine resonated so deeply with me because I'm like, I know this dude. He has a buzzsaw <laughs> in his belly um, and hook hands and laser eyes. So cool. Uh, it's, I mean, he's got he's a, he's a perfectly built weapon. I could not remember if I'd seen this before before I started watching it, but about 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh, I know the twist. <laughs> I know the twist. I remember all of this now. Um, and it's great. It's... Uh, it's great. I, it's funny because I was watching it um, on YouTube. Yes. And uh, was kind of like scrolling through some of the comments during it. And I did not realize like some people have issues with the pacing on this movie, which it's kind of funny to me because it actually like it's got a good clip. There's some issues which I think when we dig deeper into the movie yeah. we can talk about. Um, but like it delivers. Like it does all the classic sort of like monster movie sort of mm-hmm. things. Um, and, you know, then breaks it up with the, the other story, the B-plot going right. on during it. Um, but it's great. And I mean, I think, like, the entrance of, like, uh, King Ghidorah and Gigan is, like... Yeah. Yes. I mean, to, like, not <laughs> go too deep into, like, TikTok language, it's iconic. <laughs> um, but it's super good. Like, the music rules, yeah. like, the weird multiple explodey effects behind Gigan, oh and then they just do loop-de-loops for no reason. Um, These like, are all things I commented on while we were watching it's, it. It rules. No, it's like, it's, um, the soundtrack rules, but if you put, like, metal behind it, it would be very metal. Um, it's super good. It's like Death Clock. Um, but if, if Godzilla vs. Gigan was made in 2007... And then you put, like, Linkin Park at the end uh, of that scene. Oh, you know, it's... You know, Puff Daddy and that one guy from that one rock band that everybody likes, I guess. So, um, uh, I, I need to comment on that. Yeah. In, uh, in 2004, they made a film, Godzilla Final Wars, which featured a rematch of Godzilla and Gigan. Ooh, I have not seen that. Um, it is very long, very dumb, and I love it. <laughs> Naturally. But it's so um, they have a little bit of, I think you would... Are they pop punk or new metal? I don't know anything. It's okay. Um, some forty one has a song in there. <laughs> they, are, they are definitely pop punk. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it in too deep? I don't remember. <laughs> I, all I remember is that there's a line in the song that says, "Supersize our tragedy." Oh my lord. That's uh, a deep cut. Yeah, man. Because that that That's lyric like early... hit my brain somewhere. <laughs> um. And the music is all done by Keith Emerson on, like, a Casio. 
of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. That's what I was about to ask. <laughs> My dad loves Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And, and he did the score for that. And, I bet that's amazing. And it's basically him at a Casio. Yeah. It's This this movie should have been made 20 years before it was made. It's the worst. Uh, 2004. blame some 41. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> green Day face or whatever, where they're trying to do serious music it's, like Green Day. It's, it's like it's in the middle of a fight with the American Godzilla who makes a cameo. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Um, Amazing. So Austin, what were your uh, your opening thoughts? I mean, I I find such like childlike joy in these movies. Uh, which I think I think is definitely some of the intentionality behind like like the simplicity of their effects and everything. Like, don't get me wrong, there's some like very solid effects work going into this. Like, the miniatures in this movie are absolutely great. Like, like one of the, one of the first things you see is a miniature of like them working on the children's children's world world. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, and then it cuts immediately to like two guys in a boardroom talking in front of a miniature of Children's World, and like I, I cackled at that for seven, five minutes. I was like, they made two versions of the miniatures for this. I didn't um, catch that, but God, that's a good catch. Oh, dude, like it, it was, it was everything like that. I felt like every five minutes there was a new thing for me to like want to pause the movie and just like scream about. Um, and like, and like John said, like like the the B plot is kind of just what it is, but. As as the as the story progresses and as Godzilla and the other monsters get introduced, it really is a fun, uh, fun like fighting kaiju movie. Like, like like you said at the beginning, I haven't really seen a ton of these. Uh, for the most part, it's mainly been Mothra and then Mothra versus Godzilla. This was, this might be my favorite one of the three that I've seen. I'm so glad to hear that. It's a good one. Um, it's a super good one. I'm so glad to hear that from both of y'all. Um, and Courtney, mm-hmm. uh, I know this is one of your favorites. Yep. And do you want to elaborate a little bit on why? Um, it's just bonkers, and that's why. <laughs> it's so It's crazy. And that's what it should say on the yes. back of the box. It's just bonkers. It's bonkers. just bonkers. It's banana cakes. Well, um, the the, uh, the recent so Wild. the the recent Blu-ray release of this from Kraken releasing. Uh huh. Maybe. Maybe ten years ago at this point, geez. Um, says, what is what what is a cyborg with a beak and wings and hook hands? And the answer is we don't know, but Godzilla has to fight it in this. Day. <laughs> and the, the HBO it hatches out of a chaos emerald. The the H, HBO Max and Criterion Channel descriptions for this movie mm-hmm. because it's part of the Criterion Collection, spine number 1,000 with the rest of the Showa-era Godzilla movies. So cool. Spine number 1,000? Yes. Dang. Yeah, look, I'll pass it around for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's impressive, though. But, yes, it's in the Criterion Collection. It's uh, on HBO Max, mm-hmm. and the description on both of those streaming services says... Godzilla fights a giant black chicken from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I dig that. I think that it's absolutely true. Uh, and will now forever be what I think of when I think of Gaian is giant black outer space chicken. <laughs> With the buzzsaw in its belly. Yes, the buzzsaw tummy. <clears throat> buzzsaw tummy is like, that's like honestly like 
When I was a kid, the hook hands is up there, like in terms of like things that are unsettling about Gigan. <laughs> but buzzsaw tummy is like a body horror thing. Yeah. Like when you, if you think too hard about it, it's like deeply unsettling. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know that there's a way for Gigan to be a good guy. Yeah, that's why so, so there's angry. there's non-canon lore, basically. Oh. Ooh, around, enlighten us. Around Gigan, that he was some sort of alien bird dinosaur thing. Okay. <clears throat> and the space hunter and nebula aliens right. turned him into a war weapon. And, and you kind of love that. that. Vibe. Yeah. You get that vibe where it's a yeah. senseless... Yeah. It's just a senseless killing machine. <laughs> There's not a lot of, like, nuance to Gigant's performance, you no. know? Because even with, like, Ghidorah, you get, like, a sense of... I'm s- no. talking about a puppet. But, like, you get some... But, I mean, that's the, the, the beauty of these. is like... Because you do get a sense of, like... Of, of emotion and, like, there's narrative there. And, like... There's that one moment where um, something bad happens and, like, Gigan chuckles. <laughs> um, well, and he slaps five with the... Uh, yeah, he's straight up high. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twice! <laughs> so great. It's I mean, it, great. it really feels like, like when they run away at the end of the movie, that Gigan's about to go and stare in a mirror for, like, 20 minutes <laughs> and be like, what have I become? So, like, am I, what, is what I'm doing actually okay? In, in both of We've Gi- been defeated for the first time. In both of Gigan's Showa-era appearances, <clears throat> mm-hmm. he runs away before the fight is over. Mm-hmm. Um, which is... He doesn't want to be there. Well, be- yeah, yeah, he's, he is, and mm-hmm. once the control is broken, yeah. by when the Godzilla Tower explodes, that's a, something we'll have to oh, yeah. put a button in and come back to, um, he's, he's done. Like, I should not be here. I should not be. <laughs> oh, God. I'm a monster. Is, is the Winter Soldier just guy there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that would make me like the Sons Winter Soldier. Yeah. That would make me yes. like the Winter Soldier a lot more. <laughs> because that movie is boring as hell. False. And Bucky is not an interesting character. False. But speaking of the characterizations of the monsters and how it, like mm-hmm. this that's achieved, I wanted to bring up that this was the last time uh, Haruo Nakajima played Godzilla. I saw that in my research. <laughs> And um, he w- he played Godzilla since 1954, mm-hmm. with one exception, and he's still in the suit in that movie for a couple of shots. Um, and we have... Uh, he was going by the name Kengo Nakayama at the time, but uh, Kenji- Ken- Kenjiro Satsuma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Satsuma is how he usually... Yeah. Which is great for me, because yeah. I'm a little buzzed. Kenpachiro <laughs> um, Satsuma is Gigan, mm-hmm. and he would play Godzilla throughout the Heisei era, starting in 1984 okay. uh, to 1995. So he graduates, basically, to Godzilla mm-hmm. at the end of this series. <clears throat> and he was also Hedora in the previous movie, Godzilla vs. Hedora, Smog Monster. Mm-hmm. So they... They really give them a lot of character. Um, the next three Godzilla movies, Godzilla's portrayed by three different suit actors, mm-hmm. but Nakajima had built so much performance already that they didn't have to do anything right. special. 
So I think it's really important to look at uh, Kenpachiro Satsuma's performance as Gaigan, especially because we're going... That senselessness that mm-hmm. you brought up, John, mm-hmm. is kind of a hallmark of his Godzilla, too. Interesting. In the Heisei era, Godzilla is kind of a more force of nature. More animal than... Yeah, more animal than super cool. Because this is... <clears throat> I mean, I feel like of the Godzilla movies that I've seen, this is like uh, like Godzilla's most like anthropomorphic. Um, there's, I mean, like, I, and, like, granted, I haven't seen them all, but, like, I mean, I think there's a lot of, like, very, like, recognizably human physicalization going on in terms of this, (laughs) um, like, things that would be... Like when he slaps his face when he sees the Godzilla Tower? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, or when he signals for the tag team maneuver finishers. <laughs> oh, when the they're the when movie. they're strategizing. Yeah, no, I mean like there's 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 lots of things. It's incredibly like um like even just like and I have a note in my notes about like how and I think I said this like last time I was on the podcast, but how much these like kaiju fights like mirror the beats of professional wrestling, and um and again you see that in this one like super hard and like. Like, the physicality, I'm going to use some wrestling lingo, but, like, the way Godzilla takes bumps in this movie is great. Yeah. Um, and, like, everybody, really, in this movie is, like, really selling the physicality of the combat. Oh, and, like, yeah. the, like, and even when it's a rotoscoped, like, eye laser or whatever. <laughs> they like, sell the hit. You sell the hit. And, like, they sell the hit well. And, like, it's, it's interesting, too, now knowing that the guy playing Gigan like, graduated up to Godzilla. Cause, mm-hmm. Like, what a, like, professional wrestling <laughs> style That's sort really. of thing. Um, because, like, of course, like, you know, the the young the young heel <clears throat> uh, takes the place of the, the aging baby face to, like... The Undertaker can't undertake forever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> well, man. And, and here's, here's the other beautiful thing about that is Godzilla had his own heel face turn. Mm-hmm. You know, like, ten years before this. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And the professional wrestling thing is dead on. Uh, Haruo Nakajima, again, Mm -hmm. he choreographed the fights. Mm -hmm. And he looked at two things to do that. He looked at actual animals fighting, Mm -hmm. like bears or lions. Right. And he looked at professional wrestling. So he was like... Which, professional wrestling is huge in Japan. Yes. Especially, like, luchador style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's actually a Japanese-Mexican wrestle... A Japanese luchador modeled after Ultraman. I love that. Um, It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But he's he's looking at these things Mm -hmm. and combining them. So he's... And he choreographed the fights completely. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, okay, well... We know Godzilla ha- and Anguirus have to come in um, as the underdogs, even right. if they're the defending champs or whatever. We right. have to establish our, our bad guys <laughs> right. as... The space monsters. Yes. And we have to make this a threat. Like, is Godzilla going to lose the title? Right. And he has to pull it out. Right. And there's... There's a point in the fight which a lot of people I talk to about these movies who try to take a more academic bent at them mm-hmm. say that the fights kind of bore them. No, totally. Which, 
you you have to become seven when you watch a hundred percent no I mean well it's the same way that like I mean because there is ways that you can look at um, the sort of narratives and politics of like professional wrestling um, but you also at some point have to turn off the like <laughs> uh, postmodern critique brain and <clears throat> Uh, meet the thing at its level where it's right. at. The the <clears throat> the interesting thing for me um, is that the turning point in the big sort of climactic battle is when Gigan like drives that hook into Godzilla's head pretty <laughs> much like four or five times, which is like the classic maneuver. Like if you want to really show that the bad guy is tough and strong and powerful he makes and then like you have this like turning moment like oh you've made me bleed my own blood sort of moment um (laughs) for the good guy and like that's like and it was one of those things that i remembered like that's one of like the distinctive like key like core memories for me in this movie is seeing godzilla bleed um and it's the first time he bleeds in the entire franchise it it Completely caught me off guard. Like I hadn't seen anything like that in any of, the, of these movies before, um, and so when when Gigan like you know swoops in and just like hooks him across the top of the arm or whatever, or maybe the I, shoulder, yeah, uh, and it's just like a fountain of blood. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, what is going <laughs> yeah. on right now? Yeah, it's everywhere. And then not only so Gigan basically. Godzilla's already unconscious, more or less, mm-hmm. from the the Godzilla Tower. Which, again, we're going to come back <laughs> to. Come back to. Um, and Gaian, like, pops his head open like a can opener. Yep. Then throws him at Ghidorah's feet, mm-hmm. and they fling him into the tower. Mm-hmm. And somehow, Godzilla gets a second wind after that. He hulks up. Yeah. And, and he... <laughs> I think the fight structure in these, these last... Five Showa era Godzilla movies mm-hmm. is much more important than it's than it has been in the previous Showa Godzilla movies because just the way the stories are structured now, the last fifteen to twenty minutes or so of these movies mm-hmm. is dedicated almost completely to the monster fight. Mm-hmm. So you have to follow the beats. Mm-hmm. of it to stay engaged with the story. Right. And it's like you said, engaging with it on its own level. Right. And so I think if you can't turn off your analytical brain, mm-hmm. which is how I am a mm-hmm. lot of times. No, totally. Like Yeah. Yeah, you have it. you have to look at it in these terms. It's a, an operetta. Right. It's it's it's, it's dance. It's it's a, it's a three act structure. Right. And when one of the beautiful things I think about this fight in particular, and I think it carries through to the rest of these movies in the, this uh, era of filmmaking, is there's a point where Godzilla and Anguirus have already won. Mm-hmm. But they take a victory lap, basically. <laughs> and in this case, it's Godzilla flinging Ghidorah over his <laughs> shoulder three times. Yeah. Well, and just like holding, holding uh, Ghidorah by... The necks and letting letting 
arugula or whatever, uh, <laughs> slam its back into <laughs> like yeah. like six times. Yeah. It's just relentless. Like I think I think that's maybe a little overkill, but it's like yeah, the I mean, fun it was like celebratory. Yeah. Right. It's like the fun celebratory thing. Like the heroes of one, and I mean, like they're getting their their like last couple of swings in. Like it's what Stone Cold Steve Austin would do. A hundred percent. Like bloody face and he's like just gonna stun someone four times in a row and then smash two beer cans right. together and drink like yeah. an eighth of each can. Like, sorry, I keep bringing it back to wrestling. No, but like, I mean, that final fight is I think it's like, a great analogy. It's perfectly the, appropriate. Yeah, the beats feel like very much like that. Well, and I mean like Ghidorah's basically waiting to be tagged in for <laughs> a third of the fight. A hundred percent. I just... I, I love this one. <laughs> and I love the combat in it. We've been saying we're going to get back to the Godzilla Tower. Let's talk about the Godzilla Tower. Beautiful. What a fun thing. I my, my analytical brain kept trying to go back and <laughs> forth on, like, children's world. Like, as a whole... <laughs> the world, world children's land. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, see, it was Children's World in the the subs that I had. Well, yeah, it was the way they said it in English, had it as world as uh, World Children's Land, and then when they showed the sign when that scene transitions, it still says World's Children's Land in the subtitles. That's incredible, and I wish that I had had that. Yeah, as my. I mean, either way, it's the lamest name for a theme park I've well, ever seen in my life. Well, and like, here's the thing: it's very much so. Like, here is your human amusement park. Here is your human <laughs> amusement park. We have a Godzilla tower. Right. We have a library. Right. We have a cafeteria. We have a train station. <laughs> Children have fun. <laughs> Play in the street, kids. At least that's what they said they had when uh, I was watching <laughs> no, that's, it. That's what they said they had. <laughs> but like, it's like, and then during the final fight, I'm like, oh no, the library. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, and then to have this like monument to Godzilla, that's also a weapon against Godzilla. Beautiful. And then to employ like a struggling artist who designs monsters. Yeah. Oh my God. To come work. Like, so I had this, I have all these notes, like trying to put together some grand, like, um, like thesis about like, is this trying to say something about the commodification of art? <laughs> Okay. Like, no, it's just not about pollution. No, no. Okay, go ahead. Hit me. The, the screenplay was written by my good friend, who's dead and I've never met, mm-hmm. Shinichi Sekizawa. Okay. And he was about two things. Having fun mm-hmm. and telling you exactly what he thought. Mm-hmm. He, like, he wrote Mothra, which is, in my opinion, one of the cleverest bits of satire on commercialism mm. I've ever seen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He wrote King Kong vs. Godzilla, which mm. is also a very clever satire. He was very tired at this point. <laughs> so I think that was his core idea. Well, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, I mean, you have this theme park devoted to monsters run by cockroaches that is also actually designed uh. to destroy the entire Earth right. so that the cockroaches can run it. Using a weapon that is basically just a toy version of the monsters, and then they also just like use uh, media transmitted over the waves well, and like, what to some of the monsters. Like, there's all that sort of like yeah. all that's there. Yeah. Um, and I just now put it together. Thanks, White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> no, the societal commentary is is 
on point with this. Maybe even maybe even a little too on the nose at some points. But love that when though. yeah, hundred percent. But like when you consider it all together, it's it's very fun. I love I love that. Courtney, what were you saying? Yes. Oh, um, I was looking to see when Disney World was built. Ah, because very close it felt to that. Very reactive to that, and it was a year like a year And also before. like I mean like Tokyo. Oh, was it a year before? Because there was also like the the, the Osaka Disneyland. World Fair was in nineteen seventy. Oh yeah. Because like was the, a huge... the Tokyo Disney <laughs> yeah opened yeah. up. I'm not 80s, sure. Though, I, think. I don't know anything about Disney. Let's see. My well, mom Dis- does. Disney. Should, I could call her. <laughs> 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 call her, right? What time is it in Colorado? Uh, yeah, about 11. Disney World was October 1971. Oh, yeah, that's like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you have like a Osaka World Fair. Around. Was in 1970, which that was a huge influence on right. so many yeah. things in this genre. Tokyo Disney it was 1983. Oh, okay, so later, much later. But there's definitely so at, one thing that's very interesting now that we're, we're bringing up Disney World and the theme park, the mm-hmm. sinister theme park yeah. aspect. Uh, the Japanese. Film industry and most of their economy was collapsing at this point in the seventies. Okay. They were in extreme late stage capitalism, mm-hmm. um, and Toho, the, the studio that made the Godzilla movies, they would do something called the Champion Festival, mm-hmm. where they would program a whole day of movies and cartoons for kids, mm-hmm. and the main attraction for since like 1969 mm-hmm. at the Champion Festival was a, a new Godzilla movie basically right. and by this point because the film studios were in such dire straits financially mm-hmm. they could not afford to make a main feature for all three Champion Film Festivals every year because mm. they had one for every break uh, school kids had Right. So they had a spring break one, they had a winter break one, and a summer break one. So they were having to fill out the program with licensed Disney movies. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. So I feel like, and they were they were putting the Godzilla movies in the spring break mm-hmm. one because that was the strongest one. They wanted right. their product sure. up front, but they were still having to fill out the summer and winter ones. Interesting. With the Disney movies they were in. So, uh, I wonder, now that we've, you know, tied those things together, is Mm -hmm. this some sort of dig by Sakazawa at Disney? What? I can't say no, but I can't say yes either. (laughs) But I mean, like, I mean, I think there's, there's definitely, like, I mean, I think you can make a strong argument about, like, commodification of art. And, like, Mm -hmm. like, casting the sort of, like, lead villain's in this as cockroaches yeah um and cockroaches that are looking to um utilize a children's theme park to create like apocalyptic settings so that their species can thrive on the planet um i mean through a 2022 lens is a wonderful critique of capitalism Mm -hmm. but like also just the idea of like if you're a screenwriter, like the 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 sort of the, the ways that capitalism affects your craft, mm-hmm. um, 
and then you just have like a 30 foot tall Godzilla that has laser eyes. Yeah. Um, and I, I do, I do tall. sort of love the, <laughs> the idea that it could be a commentary on Disney. Like, it promises peace, right, in, in this. In oh, the yeah, the idea of eternal peace. The, the idea, the idea of, peace. of something that it sells that everyone wants is peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney oversells its parks, and then it <laughs> turns out to be just like basically an average sort of cityscape but like geared towards children and there's like it, it's just it's really just Disney overselling the promise of like hey come in you and your family will have this great time but really all it is is a po- an overpopulated sidewalk I kind of like Disneyland though I have I never know. been and I, I mean don't get me wrong there are certainly <laughs> things that I'd love to go and do it doesn't like I'll die before I get to go see Galaxy's Edge unfortunately but like uh. I'd, I'd love to go and see some of that stuff but like it's it's the idea that, that Disney overpromises and underdelivers. Uh, it, in my opinion, as far as like the potential commentary on this, especially in the seventies, yeah. where like it's a small world after all was yeah. their most popular ride. Like cool. Well, here's the thing. I totally get where Austin's coming from. I don't necessarily agree. I think Disney's too scarily good at what they do. I think um, so yeah. now, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think even back then, like what they would do is they'd come into World's Fairs and literally kick the, the poop out of people and then turn that into a ride at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always like a, a technological marvel. Um, Cause like Small World After All, like that's like, that's the, the I believe the birth of audio animatronics, mm. which is like, which was revolutionary. I mean, it's robotics. Right. The thing that's scary about Disney, like if you want to get like deep into like tinfoil hat territory, is that you have um, a dude that has an immense amount of influence on culture. Vast technological sort of tools at his disposal and a desire to have absolute control over the sensory experience of his audience in the very same way that like Wagner did. Of course. Um, And then also you take this dude and he kind of is like, well, the efficiency of Germany in the 1930s is really good. (laughs) It's simultaneously the thing that I admire about like a ride at like Disneyland or Disney World where you have this like sort of totalitarian control over space Mm -hmm. um, to create a really immersive experience. Mm -hmm. But like that also is like a terrifying power. Right. Um, because the CIA also wields that in places <laughs> like Abu Ghraib. Well, um, you know, there, like they say, there is no ethical consumption. Under capitalism. capitalism. And I mean, by um, I, I bought the Blu-rays of this from Criterion, which is owned in part by Warner Brothers, which is just merged with Discovery and destroyed thousands of people's careers. Yep. Um, you know, there, there's... You know, we streamed it on YouTube, which is owned by Google, yeah. which is far too powerful. Of course. Um, I have the DVD that we actually watched it on, uh, was manufactured by Sony, who also owns the copyright to the Blu-ray medium. They own the copyright to a medium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, get, let's get some final thoughts before we move into the game show, because we have a game show. Oh, okay, great. Um, I just briefly want to talk about the B-plot really quick um, because this is two different movies. Oh, yeah. Um, like, you have this, like, weird Inspector Gadget style, like, uh, cloak and dagger sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, we're nefarious and evil, but please bumble around our giant Godzilla statue as much as you want. Yes. 
Never mind that weird red wire trying to poke you in the eyeball and suddenly pulling you against the door. What are you doing here? I thought you lived here. I don't. I don't. I'm just picking up this lighter. Don't mind me. Jonathan and Nancy from Stranger Things. 100%. Argyle. But yeah, just like fall through every door that happens to open up. Like just like do all the cool stuff. But it's like, the thing is, is like they're all... The characterizations are broad enough that they're immediately recognizable, which is just like a, again, like vaudeville wrestling, like all of it. Um, and so, like immediately, you're like immediately, you're like, oh, I get, I get this dude. Yeah, he's got a goatee and a headband. Mm-hmm. He likes corn. Yeah, yeah, man, it's gonna do. <laughs> oh, like just looks like, like argyle. The banana. The banana. The bananas scene. and background check scene. <laughs> yes, sir. I was just like. They just needed some business. They just needed some business to like have something so they're not just standing in a circle talking about background checks. Right. And Jude's like, I got, I got some bananas, bro. The, the director of this movie, uh-huh. Jun Fukuda, uh-huh. was an action director primarily. Mm-hmm. And he did a series called Young Guy, which is kind of... <clears throat> that was what made him famous in the mid-60s, was the Young Guy movies. And they were very much... Uh, like wink and nod James Bond kind of thing uh, you, you feel that influence super yes. hard here down to like the uniforms like the orange yeah. and like yeah. the, 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 the suits it's like the and the laser pink. pistol yeah. things. that's part of power drill guns. oh god the rotating Dude. chair of the chairman <laughs> like I, again I would swear so many times oh talking about that chair it was it was legit. I sc- I screamed like we were sitting in this living room and I saw it and I was like oh my god like this when he, chair when he turned around and then like like Inspector Gadget Lupin the Third like just comes around the corner like I'm still talking to you I have one more question does a Columbo <laughs> just one more thing. just uh, just one more thing well and I love I love like the first time he turns around it doesn't seem like he's done it necessarily it seems like the chair kind of did it for him yeah. and then he totally like grabs a little like lever thing that turns yeah. the chair around yep. for him the second time uh, gosh the the chair was one of my favorite parts of this you movie. said this is a world children's land <laughs> the children uh, <laughs> we haven't made those yet so uh, I do. I do want to hit just a couple of my favorite yeah, things. Go right in this ahead. Movie. That's what this section. Is um, I my my favorite things in this movie, in no particular order, are the Stranger Things equivalent cast. Unbelievable, like uncanny valley sort of. Yeah. Um, just like uh, amazing. Um, the scene where they use a balloon. To grapple down the Godzilla statue. Okay, they do fasten the rope to the tower. Oh, well, the good balloon, thing. The balloon takes the rope up. It's a classic it's mountain just, climbing technique. I don't know what you're talking ridiculous. about. My, like, really, like, I thought it was ridiculous in and of itself, but then they decided to include the shots of them all sliding down the rope, and it's just toys just, like, tied around. Like, a, like literally Legos. Like, straight up. <laughs> like, hey, these are my son's G.I. Joes. They're just going to slide down this rope real fast. Real American hero. Right. Um, the dubbed version has two amazing things in it, which is Justin Roiland-esque dubbing over... Godzilla and uh, Angra's come on uh, right right like the the speaking between those two characters which Robert then pointed out to me is supposed to be uh, telepathy which is hilarious to me when they then play a tape 
with audio on it mm-hmm. to tell them like, oh, we need to go check out what's going on. <laughs> um, very inconsistent. Didn't love that. Loved the uh, the photograph when the woman in the uh, dude's home that they go to to go like talk to him, but he's been dead for a year. Yeah, uh, says this is the only photograph I have, and she has two photographs <laughs> of him. Uh, was that was insistent between well. both movies, yeah. whether it was dubbed or subbed. Love that so much. <laughs> Uh, and I think the last thing is the English dub, instead of referring to one of the artist's monsters as Mamagon, refers to... So so in this scene, it's the artist character oh, I talking, to, talking to the female character that his has a black belt, his girlfriend, uh, who has the black belt, and calls her, in the English dub, a hard bitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the subtitle and what he is supposed to refer to her as is Mamagon. <laughs> and this is before Mamagon, like his drawing of Mamagon has showed off. So I was she like. She doesn't know what Mamagon is. Yeah, she. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that I was like, so do you just refer, like. I, I didn't understand also, like, why this cartoonist is making up monsters in a world that monsters exist in. And, like, <laughs> because like would you just, cool. like, yell at Kids that monster it. and be like, oh no, everybody, it's the hard bitch. <laughs> um, like, all of that. All of that stuff. Those are some of my favorite things that happened in this movie, aside from, like, the fun fights and the miniatures and all of that. I thought all of that was wonderful. But I, I, think, I think that those are some, some of my favorite things. I do need this. to tell you. Monsters are just cool. And animals are just cool. Like, we make up animals all the time. No, of course, of course. It's It was just one of those things that he couldn't even come up with a cool monster. It was the, the monster yeah. no, of that's good. That's good. super strict mothers. Yeah. And I think that's the joke. No, they, of course, of course. And also, they have to brand it. They have to be able to copyright right. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard to con- copyright Godzilla... Since, you know, he's obviously stomping around on Monster Island or whatever. <laughs> Had a fun cameo by Mothra. Uh, all that oh, fun yeah. stuff. <laughs> Super fun. I have one last thing I want to point out really mm-hmm. quick Let's that we it. haven't talked about. Um, I just love that they go to, like, the, the, the street carnival guy before they blow up Godzilla's head to get, like, caricature portraits of them done. <laughs> well, to no. put in front of, like, the ice cream truck branded boxes of TNT. <laughs> I had such a problem with that. So, so a couple things. Okay. Remember, our main character... Oh, is a cartoonist. Is a cartoonist. Idiot, John. John, you idiot. <laughs> no, like, that's not the issue I took with that. The issue is, we're gonna blow this... <laughs> building up mm-hmm. excuse me uh, we're gonna blow this building up <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna bleep it okay it's gonna be fun. uh we're gonna blow this building up and we're gonna put up this drawing of us so that hopefully someone sees it it looks real cool before they <laughs> yeah. die they'll be like oh man that guy's a good artist <laughs> oh look they're putting their guns up <laughs> what I think is funny I, I've played this conversation out in my head a couple times uh-huh. because I've again I've seen I've seen this movie like literally a hundred uh-huh. times maybe <laughs> I, ima- I always imagine him saying, and I'll draw a life-size marker sketch mm-hmm. of all of us with guns so that they'll shoot it shoot and blow the up the dynamite. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> like patting him on the head the whole time. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then he goes, then he finishes it and goes, okay, 
I just need to color it. And they're like, we don't have time. <laughs> you gotta blow this head up now. I, I think I think the headcanon that I've developed as you were telling us this just now, Robert, uh, is definitely that he's actually been working on this piece for days. Like in in my head, this movie takes course over the course of like a month. He just thinks it's and cool. he's just been like, I love drawing me and my buddies. We are my revolutionary buddies right. fighting the children. And he's world. like, don't worry, guys. I know how we'll get them to blow up the TNT. Here's a drawing of all of us. And, and we were joking about where did they get all that TNT labeled like that? Because why would the military have it labeled like that? And we decided there has to be an Alamo fireworks <laughs> just somewhere. Yes, that. And then also, I loved, I'm so sorry, I keep thinking of things. I loved the bit where they go to like the general or whatever, and they're like, they're like space cockroaches, man. He's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, what do you think we can we're do? We're really busy fighting off these monsters. We already yeah. have maser beams. <laughs> oh, radar. What? Is that a common thing in these movies? Yes. Maser beams are... Okay, great. Okay, yeah. I needed to know if there was lore. Like, Ma- maser beams radar are... dish maser laser beam lore. Maser beams are first introduced in 1966's uh, War of the Gargantuas. Okay. Um, and they are just a staple Throughout, because I, I I've seen them in other ones, and yes. like it struck me during this movie. It's not like, it's not a laser though; it's lightning in the right. form of a laser. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> Masers exist. They are. Do they come out of a radar dish? Kind of weird. So they're they're they're. It's like a light bulb. You can look it up. Okay, I'm googling it right now. It's I'm like a light bulb. About this. And it turns on, and it has a dish or some sort of backing, uh-huh. and it creates an electro. Not quite an EMP, but okay. something similar to an EMP, and it it condenses it into a lightning bolt, basically. Interesting. Okay. So it's a real technology. It has, like, absolutely zero practical uses, and as a weapon of war, it would be really crummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it looks cool in a but country it movie. it looks cool yeah. in a monster movie. So, with that... Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we are going to transition... To our game show, uh, which this time is called Tummy Trouble. I'm gonna open my white claw now. There we go. And we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From beyond the stars come the most fearsome monsters in the galaxy. Only Godzilla stands in their way in Godzilla on Monster Island. Is even Godzilla strong enough to defeat the invaders? Matching unbelievable strength. Exchanging incredible net daily rays. Don't miss Godzilla on Monster Island. Rated G. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Welcome back to Record All Monsters. We are here with Austin, John, and Courtney, and, and me, Robert, your host. Um, and we watched Godzilla vs. Gigan. Um, and we need to talk real quick before we get into today's game, Tummy Trouble, about the names of the monsters. First of all, this is probably the first dub where we get the, the correct pronunciation of Godzilla's name, which is Godzilla. <laughs> oh no! So oh no! God- Godzilla, which we also heard a couple times, is also acceptable. But Godzilla is <laughs> oh no the best one. I love Godzilla so much. <laughs> That's so closest good. to the original Japanese. Well, and like you said earlier, like Godzilla is truly a transcend a transcendent way well, to think about pronouncing God- that name. Godzilla is Galaxy Brain. <laughs> yeah, okay. But Godzilla is that one with the universe. Yeah. <laughs> what if you called him Godzilla? No. <laughs> oh, dang. Okay, sorry. It's too far. Too far. I took it a bridge too far. <laughs> and Austin Austin had some trouble remembering the names of the other I monsters. still genuinely have a hard time remembering them. I know that I saw them. The White Claws aren't helping. Um, but, like, I like I called... I, I called... Huh? What are the monsters you do know? What do you remember from the movie? Well, no, no, no. It's, it's not necessarily that. It's just their names. This, so, this to me was Gary Gygax. Okay. So that's Gigan. Uh, yeah, Gigan was Gary Gigan. Not a visual medium. Right, not on of Twitch. course. Uh, uh, Damn video game streamers. So there was there was Arugula, who is like Angerus or something yes. like that. Yes. Uh, and then uh, King Jeffrey. Uh, <laughs> so first of his name. So, so so King Ghidorah. Austin had three names that he went. Yes. Alternated through, mm-hmm. which were King Jeffrey. King Gregory and King Gideon. Gideon was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Gideon. Uh, and then, and then, like I had come up with these three, like again, completely unintentionally, genuinely having a hard time remembering. Like Gigan, I could remember, but Gary Gygax came to mind, so just called yeah. him that. The other, the other two, I had a genuinely hard time remembering. Uh, and then we heard the first mention of Godzilla, and I lost my mind. <laughs> and then it wasn't more than ten minutes later that we had we heard Godzilla. I was just like, I'm just, I'm the king of this right now. Uh, um, as the movie was starting, we mentioned the, like, not to date this podcast or anything, but right now the corn song is oh, a man. big deal yeah. on TikTok. Not the band corn, this is com- obviously. This is coming out on Friday, so it will still okay. be hopefully talk. Well, anyone in corn the future. Corn talk is a thing. Right. Corn talk. Uh, I mentioned earlier, we were eating some barbecue while we were beginning the movie, uh, and I just, like, repeated a lyric from the song. Which is corn is the, like it's the most beautiful thing, uh, in the world or whatever, um, and then not twenty minutes later, there is oh, the the pistol. Godzilla the Argyle, yeah, yeah, Godzilla Argyle with the corn cob. I was like, I'm just on my game right now. Like, this is my movie. I almost wrote it's cone. <laughs> it's can't cone. More, I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> yeah. With that brilliant segue, let's move on. Let me give you all the, the, the rundown. Or should it be the rubdown of today's game? I can rub Because you rub your tummy. Oh, yeah. Because I have, I have tubby trumbles. <laughs> tummy, tummy troubles. Today's film features Gigan as the main antagonist monster. Some sort of cyborg with hook hands and a buzzsaw tummy. 
Diane isn't the only character in fiction with something special about their belly. In today's game, Tummy Trouble, I will bring up another character with some kind of gut gimmick. And yes, I used a thesaurus for all these different things for stomach. <laughs> and I will ask you a more or less unrelated yes or no, true or false type trivia question. Okay. If you win, we'll give you a gut worm to help you digest things that would ordinarily make your stomach hurt. I'll pass. <laughs> I'll take it. His name is Walter. Uh-oh. If you lose, we'll give you a different gut worm who looks at the things that make your tummy hurt as you eat them and laughs at your pain. You can't hear him, but you know he's there, and that makes it worse somehow. It's dark. His, his name is also Walter, but he spells it weird, with an H after the T. Walter. Oh, it's, it's like almost German. <laughs> he's an absolute madman. Well, it makes sense given his personality. Yeah. Anyway, while Walter and Walter are both very real, we cannot offer you any prizes or penalties until such time as the Texas Supreme Court overturns the decision in State of Texas versus Kelly and Noble Walrus Media, so I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> I won't. Are y'all ready to play? Yes. Are we taking turns? Or are we going? Are so we a team? What are we doing? Is what we're doing is I will read the question. Uh huh. You each answer as uh -huh. you see fit. Okay. You can each get a point on each question. Okay. Love that. Whoever has the most points uh -huh. at the end wins. Okay. Courtney, could you keep Wins track of that? Yeah. Because I am. Drunk. Gentlemen's agreement. We take turns answering of course, first. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Here's a notepad. And John has a pen. Sweet. I a always have a always. Pen. <laughs> Question one. Bender, the cigar-smoking, beer-swilling robot from Matt Groening's Futurama, has a compartment in his stomach where he can keep pretty much anything, and does. The question I have for y'all is, is the corn plant a type of grass? You going first or am I? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. You go first. Uh, the corn plant is a type of grass. John? I dissent. Austin gets the point here. Yeah, I figured. And I will not elaborate on that further. <laughs> Angel, I saw on the, on the bringing up corn earlier. Yeah. All right. I, this was not intended. Like, I wrote... Just like the Shrek reference in my first episode. I, yeah. I wrote these questions a month ago. Corncast. <laughs> Question two. This is a family show, job. Destroy all cobs. <laughs> Question two. Tinky Winky was one of the four main characters in the unusual and slightly disturbing British children's television show Teletubbies. There was some controversy in the late 90s regarding the Tinks, as I call him, due to his being characterized as male while carrying what looks like a purse, being purple, and having an antenna shaped like a triangle. Jerry Falwell, a normal person, identified him as the pop cultural gay role model for kids. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, mm -hmm. are grizzly bears still extant in California? I'm going to say no. I think no also. You're both correct. Grizzlies were driven from and killed off in the Golden State over a hundred years ago. Black bears, also native to the state, have adapted to fill their niche. Mm -hmm. So, Courtney, what is the score right now? 
Austin to John one. All right. Ooh. Question three. Did you hear that, John one? <laughs> oh, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, question three. The Care Bears began <laughs> as toys made by a greeting card company before spinning off into a TV show. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia describes their trademark Care Bear Stare, where multiple Care Bears project beams from their tummy symbols at the same time <clears throat> to form a light wave of happiness mm-hmm. as their ultimate weapon. Mm-hmm. Four, three, two, one. My question to you is, is the vegetable corn a type of grass? Like the the actual vegetable off the stock? Yes. No. I mean, I I what a, what an interesting way to phrase that question because it's not. Are you like when you include that as a type of grass? Are you counting it as the seed of the plant? Is that the grass? Then I'd say yes. But like, if I'm eating yummy yummy corn, I'd say no. I've asked you the question. You have to answer. Austin, is that air you're breathing right now? Of course. Oh, okay. It was a Matrix reference. It was bad. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I tried to do a funny, I didn't catch I tried it. to do a bit on a podcast. I did not catch not, it. That not, was great. John, not only am I keeping that in, I'm extending the silence. <laughs> Good. Uh, so you're saying... I'm saying no. No, it's not a grass. I'm saying no, it's not a grass. I'm going to also say no, it's not a grass, and I'm even going to go as far as to say it's a flower. I don't think that's right. I'm not going to hold you to that part, but That's you are fine. both correct. Okay, great. Cool. The corn vegetable is not a grass, it's a grain. Oh, yeah. Once That's again, true. I will not elaborate further. Cool. Because that's... When you play the card game, Pit, corn is one of the grains <laughs> you trade in that. It's for my old heads out there. Man. Farm, farm games. Um, question. Do you have dysentery, John? That's Oregon Trail. Question four. <laughs> Thank you. Charlie Brown from the popular Peanuts newspaper comic strip, which ran from 1950 to 2000, has a zigzag stripe across his shirt, mm-hmm. running over his stomach. Was former Mexican president Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana born on Christmas Day? Colorado. Um, I'm gonna say yes to you because Austin's not. I'm saying no. Is that your final answer? Uh, I'm hedging my bets right now because Austin's so mad. So I'm gonna say no. Alright, John, you are correct. It's the 24th! Nope. Santa Ana was born on February 21st of 1794. I could have sworn it was Christmas Eve. I could have too, and that's why I looked it up. And it's like, Texas education system no. sucks. <laughs> February 21st. Tie game, baby. What are you thinking of then? I think he might have died on Christmas. Oh, uh, that's incredibly possible. I'm not going to look it up right now. Final question. Okay. It's for all the Marvels. Austin, it's for all the Marvels. What is the score? Don't you all smoke camels? Yes. Yeah. What's the score, Courtney? Three, two. Oh, my time. Well, uh, Austin, are you willing to put it all on the line for this one? Of course question? I am, always. Oh, no, wait, yeah, you did tie because you said no. Yeah. Here's the thing. 
I'm sorry, I was drunk. Don't be, no, it's okay. <laughs> and you're the only one of us who hasn't been drinking. Um, so Austin, yes. if you win, I will cut off my head. Oh, okay. Now this is legal. This is with podcast law. I know. <laughs> like, it's podcast law, maritime law. Like same thing. Does that? Does the flag have do you, yellow fringe? Do you on see it? this flag here? Yeah. It is fringe. <laughs> we are bound by maritime law. Your common law. Bull crap won't fly here. <laughs> Question five. Oh my god. All right, let's go. Before it was known that Bill Cosby was a terrible person, mm. it was suspected that he was a terrible person. During that time of being suspected of being a terrible person, <laughs> he starred in and produced a cartoon series called The Adventures of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Mm -hmm. The title character of the series, Fat Albert, was fat. How many characters did Bill Cosby voice on the series? No, it's your turn. I answered first last time. Oh, you did. You took it. Okay. <laughs> I was so confident. So there was like Fat Albert. Pretty sure he did Mush Mouth. And that's all the Cosby kids that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a hard time remembering some of their names. I'm going <clears> to... <throat> here's what... Um, do you like, uh, like Price is Right rules? Like close, close to two without that going yeah. over. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say three. But I think it's probably five. Just to like throw it on you. So you're gonna say five, which is probably the right answer. Or Can I tell you what I was thinking? Yeah. Legitimately, even though I know that it's more, mm -hmm. was that it had to have only been two. Can I tell you the secret? Like my dark my dark thought right uh -huh. now? It's all of them. <laughs> Would you be like Nine, eight, sucking nine. <laughs> you couldn't come up with a better. Nope, not in the moment. It's podcasting, baby. Um, freaking, freaking, I suck. gotta. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go five. I'm gonna go easy five. Okay. John, you win. He voiced three characters, Fat Albert, Mushmouth, and himself, William. Oh, I right. knew that. Mm. powerful right now. John, I think you're undefeated on the game show. I'd have to cut I'm so glad I don't have to cut off my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so relieved. Uh, I'd like to say... And also kind of sad. ...that I, I have reason to believe that John was shown these questions beforehand, and I do not appreciate it. Do you know why that's not true? <laughs> Man, you are every Republican candidate for Congress right now. Do you know I grew why, up in Texas, John. Do you know why that's not true, Austin? I changed that question on the fly. <laughs> it nice! Was, it was initially another question about corn. <laughs> Can we get that just as a bonus? Yeah, No yeah. points? Grains, while considered... Uh, what was it? Why are the corn plant and the corn vegetable not both either grass or grain? Because the grain is actually like a symbiotic parasite on the grass part of the plant. That's a really good guess. It's literally not true. <laughs> it's a thing I made up in my brain. Of course, of course. That I don't um, have to cut off today. Of course. Uh, don't know. Um, maybe... Maybe because the, the grass version of corn has its own reproductive seeds and the corn is something that is produced... Uh, as a byproduct. It's like domesticated. Yeah. Yeah. The correct answer is that grains, while considered separate things in terms of food, 
are in fact the seeds of various types of grasses. Rice, corn, wheat, and quinoa are all grass seeds and therefore grains. Hmm. Gotcha. So grain is always grass seed. Yeah. Always. Cool. Yeah. Now I can be a farmer. Yeah. You can I be a farmer. Everything. I mean, if not be a farmer, then at least go to farmers only. Yeah. And <laughs> be, be a respected member of the community. Yeah. Like, and I played Stardew Valley. And I, also, and I know how corn works. And I know how corn works. You don't have to be lonely. Hard bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your socials so I can lengthen in the uh, Yeah, uh, you can you can find me online talking mostly about video games. Um uh, at austinfordgames.com. Uh, That's not what I meant to yeah, say. Just at. <laughs> I'm going to link to that. Uh, at Austin Ford Games on everything on Twitch, on Twitter, on YouTube. I'm all over the place. Delete those old Austin yeah, Ford Yeah, no, no Puffa Horbear anymore. Um, it was too hard for people to spell and remember and say. I so. couldn't spell it. Well, and that's why we changed it. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't exist online. <laughs> I am the night. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you can usually find me online on the like uh, tag that's just Johnny Mark, uh, but please don't tell my boss um, or the city I work for. Uh, but yeah, that's me. All right, and Courtney, uh, what are you doing these days on the internet? Um, Mostly coloring, the right? Huge, yeah. Yeah, you can find me at See Mice Art Stuff if you want to. And since since uh, we're all doing this here, I'm just gonna wrap up. No outro, no regular outro later that I'll I'd normally record and tell you you can find us uh, at recordallmonsterspod at gmail com if you want to send us a letter or something. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at recordallmonsters.pod on Twitter, at Monsters Record, and just type in Record All Monsters Podcast on Facebook if you want to, if you're still on Facebook. Um, and we actually have next, we're going to do another two in a row. This one's coming out Friday when you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. And next week we're talking with Stephen White, another video game guy. You might want to get in contact with Austin. This is a podcast, Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo, which I made sure to get right because it's a great name. he complimented me on saying it right when I interviewed him. So I will never not say it right, or else I will cut off my head. That's interview prep, dog. That's a it's a life skill. Well, I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. And he and I have talked. He's a lovely man. You should all listen to his show. And, uh, but between now and when you hear my conversation with him, remember that monsters are your friends. And I pointed to the microphone like they could see.